Before we get into today's chat, we'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which we record this podcast today, the peoples of the Kulin Nation. As always, we pay our respects to their elders past and present. Mackie was away for work the other week overnight and I put Lily to bed and then I surprised Nina and said, do you want to have a sleepover with mummy tonight? And she was just like so excited and I'm pretty strict with bedtimes and all that stuff. So the fact that she got to not only like sleep in our bed with me, got to stay up late, watch a movie on a school night. I know you quite well. I think you just want company. (laughs) Okay. I also don't like staying by myself. Welcome to Talking in Common, a podcast of all things lifestyle, family, relationships, well-being, kids and culture. This is not a how-to, but an insight into the lives of ourselves and others and how we all manage to get by. Hosted by myself, Kate Gadinsky, and my co-host, Sophie Panton. Take a listen and let's find out what we all have in common. We'd like to say thank you and a big shout out to today's Sharing is Caring brand, Moody, Fertility Unfiltered. Their first vitamin product, Prenatal by Moody, is available now. Welcome back to another episode, everybody. We made it. We got here. We've done it. We never thought that we were actually going to be sitting here recording today. I know, it's been a real struggle to get here for this one, but we did it. I'm proud of us. Yeah, it's a juggle. I'm very proud of us. It's quite fitting, actually, for our subject of conversation today, I think. We're going to talk all about, well, kind of our experiences of having, like, two kids each now and going from one to two kids and everything around that, but a lot of conversations that we've been having recently have been around, like, productivity, and you did share this study we've talked about a couple of times in previous episodes, a study that Kate read on the more kids you have, the more productive you become basically was that it yeah and and how you going how you going with two kids (laughs) no you're still in the early days though three months in yeah I'm pretty green I don't know how much I really um can share so far but I suppose you know having a newborn and having a baby it's so much easier in a way but they're so, so demanding. Like I'm breastfeeding him again, everyone (laughs) so you know (laughs) just like last week or the week before whenever our last step came out little warning, little sucking baby noises coming in. It is something that, you know, often a lot of people talk about. Oh, my God, going from one to two kids. And generally, look, everyone is different, but people go, it's fucking hectic. Yeah. And I think that, of course, it's different for everybody, but it is just such a dramatic change when Mm. you go from one to two kids. It's a dramatic change when you go from zero to one kid. Mm. Really? Mm, I found that more dramatic, I think. We didn't talk about what we've got in common. Oh, okay. We've jumped straight in. I think what we have in common today is this, that we're now Mm. mums of two, which we have had that in common for a few weeks now, (laughs) (laughs) that we both really had to juggle (laughs) to get this episode done. I know it's a bit of a boring what we have in common. No, but I think so many mums listening and, you know, so many parents listening will relate. And yeah, like I said, it's really fitting for the conversation that we're going to have because, it's school holidays at the moment here in Victoria. So obviously Kate's girls are, well, Nina's on school holidays. Does kinder go on school holidays? Yeah. We're all on school holidays. Yeah. 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 All right. Fun times. What time is it? 12 o'clock. You ready for a drink? <laughs> <laughs> we can't talk about day drinking again here on the podcast. Look, we can't. Look, and, and, you know, really, we have our drinking under control, guys. Don't worry. Yeah. No, I'm only kidding. But being school holidays and the reason why it was a bit of a juggle, like you've obviously got stuff on today that you had organised and you had the morning set aside to do this recording that I went in and threw a spanner in the works and changed it because I had my niece stay with us for the night last night and come and hang out for the day yesterday and those plans sort of just got switched around a little bit because she's on school holidays, she's 11, and Honey and her have the best relationship. Mm, it's so adorable. Nice ended up taking them to Bounce, the indoor trampoline centre. We can have that in common, that now you frequent centres like Bounce and you've got all these things that you're going to start doing. Oh, my God, we do have that in common now. I'm no more, no longer a virgin to the play centre. <laughs> Wish I was. Far out. The kids just love Bounce though, don't they? They love it. Oh, my God, it was actually the most adorable thing. Honey was going nuts and having someone like her older cousin there to play with her, she just had the best time. But anyway, so I changed the plans, you know, you had to change some plans around. We both had to juggle our children and juggle our partners and juggle ourselves. 
you're right, that is what we have in common today. <laughs> and I think that another thing we were speaking about, which I'm sure a lot of people could definitely relate to, is overcommitting because I think, mm. my darling, that you overcommitted. But we're here. Yeah. We're here and we're doing it and now it feels good. Yeah, no, exactly. It always feels good once we get into it and once we do it. But you're right, I am a huge overcommitter and I think that plays a little bit into like people pleasing as well. I don't want to upset anyone. I don't want to oh, listen to Red. <laughs> Enjoying that nipple, my darling? Ow, that actually hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is hard because people pleasing can be a real issue. Yeah, do you do that a bit? Yeah, I think I'm a bit of a people pleaser too because you want to do the right thing by everyone. You don't want to upset anyone. But ultimately what actually ends up happening is you don't let yourself down but you kind of do at the same time because you often say yes to things that if you really think about it, you probably don't want to do or you feel that it's too much a lot of the time but you go, I should do it Mm. or this is the right thing to do, which of course like you have to do things in life that you don't like but there are Mm. certain things that, you know, you need to just be able to say, you know what, no, Mm. I can't do it, it's too much, it's not happening or I don't want to do it and that should be okay but I think the society that we live in has made us kind of grow up to believe that we need to do the right thing by everyone. Yeah, I think we spoke about that with one of our guests, maybe Yara, the psychologist that we spoke to about the people-pleasing as, you know, women in general and then mothers even more so. We tend to do that and it's something that doesn't really go hand in hand that well with parenting, does it? Because suddenly you have little people to please constantly and they become your priority and trying to please everyone else around you just is not possible and not a sustainable way to live. So It's also hard as well, I think, you know, being mums and having young children and we're in relationships as well. So that is also something that needs a lot of kind of time as well and that can easily be put on the back burner when you're focusing on young children and also trying to focus on yourself and your family and your friends but when you're constantly in need by multiple people Mm. and you want to please all these people particularly when it's like both your children Mm. your husband or your partner your friend you know it could be any anyone a tangent but it's really hard to say no to certain things because you don't want to upset particularly I find my kids yeah you know yeah they're both throwing demands at you yeah or maybe not even a demand just asking for something and you're trying to do 35 other things it's difficult it's actually one of the things that we learnt early on in our parenting experience from you guys because obviously you're a bit further along in it than what I am you guys would often say no we can't do this because Mm. of xyz and you know as your friends there'd be occasions where we'd be like oh that's disappointing you know like but as the time's gone on we just understand and respect and appreciate so much more the boundaries that you do put up around what you can fit in and what you can kind of cope with yeah because you have to we've learned I think everyone probably learns it the hard way you know they say yes to too many things and they overcommit and they overstress and all of that sort of thing and then you think I'm not doing that again no one ends up having a good time half the time because yeah that's the thing isn't it stressed it just gets too much I think maybe one thing that I've noticed since having two kids and maybe a little bit when I have my first but more so after having two is I'm so much quicker to kind of identify the things that I do and don't care about Yes. You know, I don't care as much what people think about me is one thing. Like I just don't. I care more about like my kids. I care more about my friends, my marriage, my own mental well-being, all that stuff. That's very mature. Do I think it needs a bit of love right now? No. But ultimately your own little family unit, like that's what's important. Yeah. And you just learn that as you go, don't you? You do. And, yeah, you miss out on doing things but who cares? Yeah, you choose the things that are important. Exactly. And it's more fulfilling and yeah. everyone's happier because of it. Actually, that's one thing that I think the way that we live as well, we feel like we have to be doing things all the time. Like yeah. our kids have to be entertained and I'm a bit guilty of that sometimes. Yeah. But again, at your stage with the age that Nina's at, she wants to try all these things. So as a as a parent, you're probably like, Yeah, try it all, darling. Go for it. But at the end of the day, kids actually don't need that much. No, they just need love and warmth and support and they want connection and attend and like they obviously everyone wants a bit of attention, but they want that connection with you and they want that focus and that time. Yeah. I think, you know, how often are you trying to do so many different things and then 
I'll find one of my girls is talking to me. I'm like, yeah, 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 in a minute. Yeah, I'll do that in a minute. No, I've got to do this and I'm trying to do 35 things because I'm a bit like that. I haven't quite gotten on top of that. And realistically, if I just stopped and gave them that full focus and attention for five minutes or half an hour or whatever it is, they would then be so much kind of happier to go off and do their own thing. Yeah. They just need that connection to tell you what's in their little mind yeah. and get that out of them and and they need that response from from you to then carry on with maybe their next activity or their next task or their next day even. So true, but we sort of dismiss them because we're busy and it's, you know, and it makes everything harder, doesn't it? I'll give you an example for me too. Like I find the days that I'm just at home with Honey and Ren, I'm a lot more present because I have both of them and it's just me and them and I have to keep Honey entertained and let's be honest, it's hard to get out of the house with two little kids. <laughs> oh my God. So, you know, I'll just sit on the carpet and do puzzles with Honey and challenge her in ways that are within her like within her knowledge and talk and discuss things and, you know, just be so present and in the moment. And there's no tantrums ever happening when that's going on. There's no crying. There's no distractions. There's no upset. It's just pure connection and pure joy. And then some days I think, oh, she needs more than that. I need to get her out of the house. So I'll like, you know, bundle them all up and pack our swimmers and go to the pool and, you know, and then I've forgotten to take the mandarin instead of the apple and we have a meltdown about that in the car because we don't have a mandarin and then we get there and it's a whole debacle trying to get changed and it's stressful and she's running off and this and then there's a tantrum and I'm stressed she doesn't want to swim by the time we get there then she's tired yeah I'm sitting there stuck yeah so and then I think to myself why am I trying like I I feel like I, I mean I'm trying to do this for her but she doesn't even really need it she just needs me and she's happy with you on the floor at home yeah so I did find a lot when I first had Lulu so Nina was similar age to honey about two and a half and obviously it's such a big change for us as parents but it's such a big change for a sibling as well when a new baby comes along like their whole world is like turned upside down literally and um I found that trying to give her that time and I know also not everyone has, you know, not everyone's able to get someone to look after, you know, their baby or their older child or not not everyone has that help and that support. But I was lucky that, you know, I did have that and I remember I started taking Nina to a little art class once a week and I think we only ended up doing it maybe for like a term or something. It was like a half an hour class because it got it just got too hard in the end, but she loved it. And that we just had that one-on-one time and the baby stayed at home with mm. one of the grandparents f- mm. for half an hour, an hour. But ultimately I think all she just loved was that she had the one-on-one time with me. And I think I really liked that because I was obviously feeling guilty that this new baby had come along mm. and like my little bestie no longer just had her mummy all to herself. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, part of that was for her, but I think a part of it was for me as well. That's really nice actually. I should try and do something like that with honey yeah just even if it's you know if your mum's ever over and take honey to the park for like half an hour even though you're probably exhausted and can't really be bothered like it's nice to do those little one-on-one things but I'm finding even more so now as my kids are getting older like Nina really wants one-on-one time Mm, with me mm -hmm. like she talks about it all the time like when can we have mummy and Nina day when can we just do this when can you just take me like she really wants that and Mackie was away for work the other week overnight and so what I did was I was getting the girls all ready for bed and I put Lily to bed and then I surprised Nina and said, do you want to have a sleepover with mummy tonight? And she was just like so excited and I'm pretty strict with bedtimes and all that stuff. So the fact that she got to not only like sleep in our bed with me, got to stay up late, watch a movie on a school night. I think I even let her have some like chocolate, like all that stuff. Sorry, I I do let my kids have sweets and chocolate all the time, but I mean it was well past it. Usually at bedtime. No, usually at bedtime after she'd already hopped into bed and brushed her teeth. Um, I know you quite well. I think you just want company. Okay, I also don't like staying by myself, but no, it was really nice for us to have that time together. She would have loved that. And And that's exactly, it's so simple, simplest thing. Not like it didn't have to spend too much energy or money or time. You just a little, you know, special treat one on one. I think that's exactly right what you said. Like they're all they're craving is just true connection. Yeah. I think another thing that I 
have found is there's a phase that you go through where you go, oh, I feel guilty like that I haven't done everything for number two that I did for number one because you have that time of just the two of you a lot with your first baby. You're not juggling another child. Mm. So it could be something as simple as how much time you spent when they were toddlers like on the floor playing with them because by the time your second one's that age, like you just don't have the time and yes I know you should prioritize and do all these things but life gets in the way and you've got shit to do mm. actually I feel guilty all the time that I don't do any tummy time with Ren compared to, like <laughs> with Honey it was like a sport I was like all right come on tummy time I'd be down there with her like helping her making sure she's happy while she does it Ren's lucky if he just gets accidentally put down the wrong way on the floor but let's talk a little bit about our experiences and differences because we did ask you guys on Instagram a few questions so we'll share the answers on that because it's quite interesting but let's talk a little bit about our experiences of going from none to one child and then one to two children what have you found was more of a shock and harder do you think oh I think going from zero to one obviously was a massive change and I think as we've spoken about before I didn't really have many friends that had babies so I didn't really know what to expect yeah but in saying that I think that juggle of going from one to two and finding that not balance but finding a bit of a rhythm I found that hard like I found Mm. that really chaotic and I found that it took me a long time to get into a place where just didn't feel so crazy every minute of every day type thing. I felt like I felt more relaxed because I'd done it before, but at the same time they were completely different babies. Yeah. So it kind of is a new experience. So I don't know. It's it's tricky. I Yeah, I think going from one to two I found harder, though ultimately than going from zero to one. Mm. I think I'm the opposite. I think I found just it's such a shock <laughs> yeah. going just having a baby, just having my first baby. I think yeah. I found so much outside of just having a baby and caring for the baby, everything else that revolves around that to do with me as a person, to do with my relationship, to do with my lifestyle, to do with everything that comes with having a baby. I just found it such a shock and such a huge transition and that has been quite difficult for me. I've only just had my second child, only three months in, so I can't really compare too much mm. yet but I can understand the very busy fast-paced chaos that it creates because I feel like I'm playing a game of tennis sometimes like literally going from one child to the next and back again all day and that's the biggest difference I think that with having two kids I, I'm not finding it harder I'm just finding it way more time consuming Whereas I found just having honey, I found that hard because I was like, I don't know what she needs. I don't know what she wants. Like, you know, navigating all that for the first time, I just found it. Whereas I'm a lot more comfortable this time, which I know a lot of people say they're a lot more comfortable second time around. But the busyness is is the biggest difference. There's more to consider when you do everything because there's two kids. Got to think about what the baby's going to need, what the toddler's going to need, what you're going to need, what your partner's going to need. Um, more demand like well actually they're both it's demanding either way isn't it it's demanding when it's your first and it's demanding when it's your second in different ways different ways yeah so we asked you guys and the first question that we asked was did you find it harder going from zero to one or one to two or more there's a little burp from Ren in there (laughs) I don't know if that goes to the microphone but if it did 50% said zero to one so half half. Yeah. That's basically you and me. That makes We're sense. Half half, babe. We're the start right there. Yep. Okay. So then the other thing we spoke about was productivity and, yep. you know, going from just having one child to two kids or to more, do you find that you've become more productive, less productive, or you are literally just keeping your head above water? Mm. What do you think? This was quite interesting too with the responses because, again, it was quite even across the answers. And I suppose that's because in some ways some things are easier and in other ways some things are harder. And I think it kind of depends on what we mean by productivity, which we can get into a little bit more. But I think I personally am getting a lot more done, like we're still doing the podcast, I'm breastfeeding a baby, um, you know, looking at caring for two kids now, still kind of running the household, making sure that all, all of that's in check. So still doing all this stuff, 
But I think what I'm just starting to realize now, and this is because of conversations with you, with other friends, with some of our other guests on the podcast who we learn so much from, is that by doing everything that I'm doing right now, I'm sort of the only one that's suffering from how stressful it all is. And is that actually being more productive if you're just stressed and doing too much at once? I actually don't think it is more productive. I think you're just doing a lot. And, you know, I think a lot of people have realized this, and this is a big part of a broader conversation. But I think a lot of people have realized now that, like, you know, the more you do, just the less that you're doing each individual thing as well. Yeah, that's so that, true, actually. That makes sense. Like, yeah, I feel pretty similar because I do feel like I can get a lot more done now. Like, I definitely can multitask a lot more. Yeah. But doing all these things but how well are you doing all these things because not everything can be getting done at the same level you're not giving everything as much as the other thing so how productive are you actually being but definitely I find that I get a lot more done and I've I've always kind of found that the busier that I am the more I get done weirdly when I'm not that busy it's so much easier for me to just be like oh yeah I'll do that and float around and it's like fuck got anything done yeah so yeah it's a bit of a fine line I think between the two but I definitely tend to like I'm noticing this a lot lately I'll start like five different things all at the same time and my brain's like a bit scattered like I'll have one thing going on one tab on my computer and then 35,000 other tabs that I'll be going between but then I'll be like sending a text message and then I'll be helping my daughter with something and then sometimes I don't actually finish any of them. So it's like, did I get lots done today because I started things or mm. did I just waste a whole lot of time? And if I had have just focused on one thing, got it done and then started on the next thing, you know, would have I been more productive? Yeah. Anyway, we asked you guys and this is what you all said. So 38% of you said that you are more productive, 31% said less productive And 31% said just keeping my head above water, which I definitely have days or weeks where I feel that way. Yeah, so maybe a little bit of column A, column B, column C, depending on what day it is. absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. and I think that shows that probably most people are feeling the same because the results are quite even across the board. The other question that we asked, which we should share, is I found the transition of having my second baby. Questions were easier I've been here before way more stressful and chaotic or much the same we had 65% easier I've been here before 30% way more stressful and chaotic and 0% much the same Mm. 0% much the same first first of all I was like oh that's interesting but then everybody you talk to says how different one child to the next is oh I know so it kind of makes sense so unpredictable isn't it you might feel more relaxed and more confident as a parent but every single baby is just so different you're constantly learning doesn't matter how many kids you have even though I've only got two if I have a third or a fourth or a fifth or a sixth you know they're probably all going to be completely different babies not saying I'm having six kids yeah I know you've got names picked out for your next eight kids oh stop it (laughs) Yeah, I think I have personally found the transition easier and feeling very much answer A, easier. I've been here before. Easier with the actual baby, but busier in general. So going back a little bit to the productivity conversation, I think it I think it's good to have a conversation around what we mean by being productive. Yep. Because a few of the things that we've just talked about, we've kind of basically said that we're potentially more productive, but also a bit more chaotic. So is it more productive when you're doing 10 more things at once or is it just... Yeah, like how well are you actually doing those things? Yeah, exactly. And and I do find that when I do do too much, none of those things are getting what they deserve in terms of like time or energy. But I did read this article with some statistics on productivity and a lot of it was based around like the lockdown time. And I think lockdown has a lot to answer oh. for how much we multitask and how much we do from home now. Yeah, I mean. Especially as parents. And there was a survey taken during lockdown of over 1,500 parents, which revealed 29% of parents were homeschooling their children while simultaneously working full time. Yeah. And 17% are stressed about their ability to be effective and thrive at work, while 25% are stressed about their ability to be a good parent. So, you know, exactly what we're saying. Because you're just constantly juggling. 
yeah. and just trying to keep your head above water and trying to just get everything just done to a certain, you know, a tick or a certain level so it's done Yeah, rather than actually giving each of them the time that they probably really deserve. And a quarter of parents feel distracted all the time and unable to focus. <laughs> That's me in that past. Yeah. Yeah. I, it is hard. I do find it really hard to focus a lot. Do yeah. you find it really hard to focus? I do. I think I'm like doing a task and thinking about something. Well, you made a good point just before we started recording this that maybe it's not productivity that we're talking about. Maybe it's multitasking. Yeah. And that is true. That is exactly yeah. what I mean, we're doing. I'm a great multitasker. Yeah. But how well am I multitasking? (laughs) A girlfriend sent me this little sort of caption, you know, meme on Instagram. So great. About multitasking. Yeah. Should I just share the audio? Yeah. And share it on our Instagram. No, I am so stressed. I have so much to do. I know I'll do lots at once so I get all the things done fast. I am so good at multitasking. Yeah, Yeah, we're we're good. good. I'm listening to a podcast. I'm washing dishes. I'm parenting. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Amazing. When we multitask, we draw on the same populations of neurons in our lateral prefrontal cortex leading to interference. The cost of multitasking on our attention is serious. If you drive while talking on a hands-free phone, it's like driving with a blood alcohol level of 0.08. Multitasking is a part of life, but sometimes its limitations are worse than others. If you're 500 milliseconds slower to break while driving, that's obviously more significant than being slower to wash a plate. Smash! You broke a plate. It's literally like my brain. (laughs) All that talking and all that chatter constantly going on. That's from the ABC Health Instagram, by the way. But yeah, we'll share it on our Instagram and share it in in the show notes. But that basically just proves our point. And that's the thing that I worry about when when I do all of this stuff that I feel is pleasing everyone else and keeping my children happy and keeping my partner happy and keeping, you know, everything around me happy, I just worry about my own personal nervous system. Yeah. What's it doing for you? It's not yeah. great for you. Because on the inside, like I haven't eaten properly, I've got a nervous rash, like I've got a dry mouth, I'm sort of scattered and overwhelmed and then tired and, you know, overstimulated and it's like, this is just going to be detrimental to my health long term, you know, like it's not a sustainable way to live. So the repercussions of it aren't great. They're not great. They're not healthy. Well, like that little audio just showed us, you know, it can result in pretty terrible outcomes. So that's my thoughts on productivity and and multitasking. Mm -hmm. Got anything else to add, girlfriend? It is hard because we are sitting here now having this conversation. And literally multitasking. (laughs) And literally multitasking. Like I'm thinking of everything that I need to do this afternoon. You're feeding Ren. You're probably thinking about what time you've got to go pick up honey. What what are you going to have for dinner? All these different things are going around in our brains. But the thing is we really want to be a great parent, be a great partner, be a great daughter, sister, friend, what are we going to sacrifice out of mm. those things to kind of make it better for ourselves? Because it's it's really tricky. It is really tricky and we're most likely going to feel burnt out and scattered again in a couple of hours' time. Mm. So, I think something that I learned. Sorry, that was a bit negative, wasn't it? It's like we're having this conversation but what are we actually going to do about it? We're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> I um, was listening to someone talk about recently accepting the seasons in your life and it's yeah. really resonated oh, and stuck with me yeah he's great everyone go and listen to his podcast the imperfect he's awesome anyway he's great and he was talking about accepting the seasons of life and he gave an example of like you know one of his friends was like on a sunday morning oh i'm gonna go for a run and go out for coffee on my own and he was like said to his wife something like how amazing would that be they've got young kids obviously how amazing would that be just to have that freedom to go for a run and have a coffee on a Sunday morning on my own like how amazing and she had shown him an article or said to him read this and it was about the seasons of your life and accepting the stage that you're in and I just thought that's so true because we've all had that season of having the freedom of being able to go and do that before having kids or before having responsibilities or commitments or any ties and we will also get that time again but this is the season of our young children. The other thing though that I think he said in that was that you know however long ago he really wanted what he's got right now so he wanted to be a dad he really wanted kids and he wanted what he's got right now and now that he's got that he wants wants something something else else. so you're always striving for other things and what you don't have and it is a good reminder just to go this is where I'm at right now and 
I can really relate to that because I love being a mum. I always wanted to be a mum, love having my kids. But how often are we like thinking, oh, God, I'd love to be able to do this or I wish I could do this or I could sleep in or... All the time. <laughs> in a few years' time, we're going to be going. I mean, not maybe not everyone will feel this way, but then I worry about how much I'm going to miss having my my young Absolutely. kids because the time goes so quickly. Yeah. So that is a good reminder just to go. Okay, this is where I'm at right now. Yeah. Um, and just try and and accept, yeah. surrender to that moment. And yes, you know it's hectic, and yes, days can be hard. Some days are amazing, but. It's just a season. And another couple of good reminders also were from the same article that I read that those statistics out from were, you know, a few things that you can do to support your life in multitasking because mm. there's obviously some times where we have to multitask, you know, things have got to get done and, you know, life's got to go on. So there are times where we have to multitask. And a few of the nice things that I plucked out from that were one of them being put the kids to work. So if you've got older kids and you do have a job to get done and they're capable of helping you in some way, they're going to feel important and, you know, like they're helping you and little kids love that. Yeah, my daughter Nina loves it because she is at mm. an age where she really can help. Yeah. Lulu is a little bit but she's still different stages. They can help with different yeah. things. But Nina really loves to feel like she's helping mm. and I think she gets this sense of like, you know, I'm a, I'm a big girl, I can yeah. help. She feels a bit more growing up yeah. and she loves it. Yeah, so that's a great way yeah. for you to get something done, but to also benefit Nina. Another one was accept help, which, you know, I think we all struggle with this and it is definitely a conversation that swirls around, you know, the sort of parenting and, and mothering circles because we all do try to do way too much just on our own and we I think we all sort of learn the hard way to accept help, but that's a, it's a really good reminder. Another one was roll with the new normal. So, you know, if you have just had another child or if you have just had some sort of life change, you know, you've changed a job, you've gone back to work, you've this, that, accept that that's your new normal and just kind of roll with it. And, you know, another one, just accept that you're only human. We can't do all the things all the time, you know, be forgiving and accepting of what we have done and make choices and make sacrifice, yeah. you know. And like, ultimately, I think as mums, like we are doing the best that we possibly can do. Yeah. You know, all you want yeah. is to be a great mum for your kids. Yeah. Totally. And to be all these things that we've spoken about, a great friend, a great family member. So, mm. you know, go easy on yourself because everyone is doing a really good job and what's normal for one is not normal for another. Everyone is different and everyone should just go easy on themselves, I think. Yeah. Can I throw in one more thing before we introduce our Sharing is Caring guest for today? Please, my love. So watching your children form a bond and friendship is actually one of the most precious things. When they get oh, to that stage wait. and you actually can listen to them, you know, chatting to each other and interacting and playing, it is just Oh, my God, it's so special. And, I mean, the ages that my girls are at, there's definitely times where they can play together and it's great, but then two seconds later it will sound like two squealing cats or something. Like, yeah. you know, they definitely bickering bicker and, and stuff. But watching them when they interact and they play and they're, you know, um, caring about each other, it is just so precious. It's nothing better. Actually, just in the last couple of weeks, you've seen Ren's big smiles yeah. that he gives. And whenever Honey comes near him, for the first few weeks, she'd just come and be so excitable and loud and sort of squeal in his ear that it would just make him cry. <laughs> <laughs> and now that he's, you know, becoming a little bit more aware, when he sees her face now, he just does the biggest grin. Oh, and see, just that best. melts my heart. I know, it's just the best. Yeah. It's the best gift you could give a sibling. Yeah. Is a, sorry, the best gift you can give your child yeah, is, is a sibling. A sibling. Yeah. So watch this space for number three. <laughs> oh, yay, let's do it. Okay, she's in. We're doing it together. I'll go number three if you go number three. Okay, Shit, did I just actually deal. say that out loud? Oh, gosh. It's okay. a deal, but can you wait a few months? <laughs> a few months. So, oh, well, God, come on. Like, oh, I'm only okay, a few months so in. We do have a Sharing is Caring segment for today's episode. So, our guest today is Jess Rosenberg. She is the founder of New Fertility and Women's Health Brand Moody. Now, I should just throw in here that when we did speak to Jess earlier, we were saying that it was called Mood. It's actually Moody. 
So sorry about that, Jess. Jess is a mother of three. She's a social worker and an absolute advocate for all things maternal health. She tells us how she returned to studies of natural therapies and then spent two years researching, formulating and crafting Moody's first vitamin product, the prenatal by Moody's, and then testing it on herself during her third pregnancy. Can't wait to try it, actually. I'm going to try it postnatal. It's good to keep those vitamin stores up when you postpartum as well. Um, We've been following along the Moody journey after connecting over Instagram and just absolutely gobbling up all the great articles and information that they share. This is why we wanted to share it with all of you guys. There's just so much to learn and talk about around women's health and Moody's a great place to start with all of that and a great place to feel connected. So be sure to check it out. And now let's hear from the gorgeous Jess. Jess, can you share with us and our listeners what is Mood and the story of how it all came about? Yeah. So look, I was always really inspired by reproductive health and I felt like there was a part that was missing from the story and that was really what's happening to the woman and the maternal health angle in this whole piece. You know, we've all kind of gone through this. It's really all about the baby, which is beautiful, but there's also a woman behind each birth and, you know, women's health is dismissed at alarmingly high rates. I think my turning point was really my first postpartum experience after the birth of Sunny, who's six now. And I had some really sexy issues that I discovered like a year and a half down the track that I thought was completely normal. I didn't want to complain. I wanted to trust my doctors when they said, that's fine, just kind of carry on. And it turned out it wasn't. And I didn't really need to go through such discomfort for so long. And I felt like there's so much to this story that we don't know about our own bodies. How far back, you know, in our own health education does that really go? And can we change our own health trajectory essentially with the more information we know? So it kind of started from that place. I went back to study after the birth of my second little boy, Milo. I went to uh, study nutrition and atropathy and everything kind of fell in together. I really wanted to formulate a really high quality blend for prenatal support. And the two pieces of the puzzle fit together really nicely for me to have a community of you know educational content and then also a product that can support health and well-being. Mm, it's a perfect combination. What did you do prior to that, Jess? Social yeah, I'm a social worker. So, you know, I think I approached everything from this systemic angle of like how can we critique our society and make it better and more supported. For me, it doesn't feel like such a far stretch essentially to go from that world into this. I see all the dots. It's all coming from the same place really about making some kind of systemic change. Mm, I think most things in this sort of space, the pregnancy, birth, women's health often stems from someone's personal experience and kind of finding like either a gap in the market of products or a gap in your own network or community or, or resources for support. So I think that's like quite a common thing and lived experience and then developing something from that is always the most sure way to create yeah. something genuine and, and yeah. authentic. I would say the same. I think it kind of took me third time around to feel really confident in what I was creating. It was kind of perfect that I fell pregnant during this life cycle of formulation and development of the product of the prenatal vitamin Mm -hmm. because, you know, it gave me time to really test it out, not just from previous lived experience, but from current lived experience. And that Mm -hmm. was really useful because I tweaked a lot of things based off that. Mm -hmm. I went in with a very strong vision that high quality ingredients had to be at the core, which they still are. But I think You know, once I fell pregnant and I was testing stuff out, I just thought, I cannot stomach that. It's way too big, that tablet or that odour is going to be off-putting. In the beginning, I'm like, that'll be fine. And then I tasted it. I'm like, that is not fine. (laughs) If it doesn't pass, you know, the test on me now, then I I can't give that to anybody else. So So great that you were in the right timing in your life that you could test your own product and actually know from your own personal opinion what it was like. It was a positive and a negative. I had planned to release this last year. I was actually ready to go. You know, life mm. panned out the way that it did. So it gave me time to test and, yeah, right. you know, and tweak. In the end, it's all worked out really nicely. And in the meantime, just being able to connect with other women. We know when we discuss these topics, people will say, I've had a very normal, average experience, you know, in my fertility journey, falling pregnant pregnancy, postpartum, whatever it might be, but then really starting conversations and finding out things that we don't really acknowledge in our own experiences as being traumatic or Mm. out of the norm or not okay. You know, it was really nice to be able to just connect with people, I think, on that level instead of being product focused because for me, that's the real crux of the brand anyway, Mm. other conversations. 
Yeah, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about that because ever since we discovered you on Instagram and we connected over Instagram, mm-hmm. we've been so engaged with all the content that you do provide and like the community that you're creating. You know, it's a really safe and informative and also really fun and cool place to be mm-hmm. on your Instagram or on your website. What's the real driver behind creating the community first and, and sharing so many resources? I think pregnancy can feel really one-dimensional. You know, mm. there's a certain stigma around what we should look like, you know, as women who are exploring our fertility, how we should respond to pregnancy, how we should be as mothers. And speaking with friends, family from experiences that I've had, that's just not the case for most people. And I just wanted something that was authentic and real. And mm. I'm glad that it's been received as something way more than that. But I felt like, you know, just because we're going through this doesn't mean we need to feel clinical or we need to feel perfect or glowing, that people have ups and downs and um, non-linear fertility experiences. And I really wanted to address that. And that's really the inspiration behind a lot of the content. It's like, what Mm. is no one talking about publicly? Mm. But, you know, I hear behind closed doors or I chat about with my friends and how can we make that a less scary conversation by providing some information so that if you find yourself experiencing that, you can look to somewhere who's already discussing it so you don't feel so alone. And that's really the inspiration behind almost everything that's that's shared. It's so true. I actually would be one of those types to say, yeah, my pregnancy was somewhat textbook. You, you say it, you've said that before. Yeah. I probably said the same thing. And would you actually. say the same thing? Yeah, yeah. You had, you know, good, let's say easy pregnancies. But within that frame of textbook, there are so many weird freaking things going on that, (laughs) you know, you're not sure if that's just you or if everyone's having that or, you know, there's so many things that you're discovering about yourself during that experience. And it is very lonesome, isn't it? Because no one else is experiencing it. We're very good at like just not mentioning stuff. Like it's fine. Yeah. It's all good. Correct. And and especially because it feels common, right? Like everybody's saying they've experienced that. So it's, it's totally normal because it's common. My whole vibe is just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal. It's abnormal that Mm. we go through a lot of the things that we do. And I found like in conversations with friends, like once you kind of scratch the surface, people be like, I had a normal experience. Oh, but it was so bizarre. This happened to me. And you kind of, if you think about it in another context, like that's actually awful. What's what Mm. we've gone through, but Mm. we're being conditioned to just brush it aside as normal Mm. and I wanted some of those conversations to come out into the open because we were having them quietly if you ask the right question but it wasn't mainstream conversation. People do want to talk about those things as well they often just don't feel comfortable or they feel Mm. awkward or don't have the right person don't have the right person to chat Mm. to which is what makes them a bit taboo because then it stops us from actually just talking. I think we're on the cusp of like a new wave where anything that used to be awkward or taboo is being encouraged so it's just about embracing that including this it's a very physiological thing that's happening to our bodies we shouldn't have to feel ashamed about the aftermath Mm. which can be not so pretty sometimes and I think that it's quite empowering if we can feel like we have a little bit more knowledge so we know the right questions to ask and the right conversations to have. Are you open sharing a little bit more about the conditions that you mentioned earlier after your birth of your first son because when you mentioned it offline it actually made Kate and I have (laughs) quite an interesting conversation. So it's probably worth asking you a little bit more about it here yeah. if you're open to it. Yeah, love it. I, so <laughs> it took me a while. I was really uncomfortable after I gave birth. I had an episiotomy, which most people do, and was stitched back up and I couldn't walk for weeks. It was really quite excruciating, but I thought that was normal. I'd never given birth before and my doctor made me feel like it was relatively normal. Yeah. I had a few checkups afterwards and had some granulation tissue scarring, which ended up basically getting like iced off and ripped out like in the doctor's rooms and waddled on home with a pad between my legs and a baby in a in a capsule just waiting for it to get better and better and I ended up with vaginismus and vulvodynia so like a muscle tightening essentially and nerve damage and it took a year and a half to diagnose it and to work through it it was really uncomfortable and really quite upsetting honestly and when I would start to talk to friends about it quite openly all of a sudden people would say the same things to me they would say oh you know I'm actually sex is really uncomfortable two years Mm. after giving birth Mm. or whatever it might be and they're awkward things to talk about but once we're all sharing it you know 
I would kind of say I've learned that that's not normal. <laughs> it shouldn't take that long to feel comfortable or not in pain. And it was really interesting to say that I actually had a few friends that were suffering similar conditions but had never explored it. They weren't offered a pelvic floor physio exam afterwards, didn't know to do that. And it's just so much of this stuff could have been avoided or treated earlier. And it became a bit of a mission. Like, I will talk about this to everyone and anyone because it's important that we can deal with it earlier. Well, I'd never heard of it before. Had you heard of it, Soph? No. 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 I hadn't heard of it before. And I feel like you and I both read a lot. We do a lot of research about this type of thing. And Mm. I had not heard of it. So I can imagine that a lot of people people probably haven't heard about it. And then, as you said, people aren't talking about it. So, so many people don't get a diagnosis and they're suffering in pain. They're feeling isolated. They're probably feeling depressed and going like, what is wrong with me? But actually there is something going on. Yeah, and the beauty is it's like quite easily treated, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. Pelvic floor, it's pelvic floor physio, which, you know, is kind of awesome. You know, I've made great friends with my pelvic floor physios. I've seen them now for years, preemptively <laughs> before the birth, you know, when I was pregnant with both of my other kids. It was just like a routine part of prep Did for it me. come back again? No, because I just went and had regular checkups. It's not that bad. It was like, you know, working on it beforehand rather than dealing with it in the aftermath. That was kind of hard work. They're called dilators essentially that you insert and you kind of move up in size to help stretch out and relax the pelvic Mm -hmm. floor Mm -hmm. and some basically an antidepressant topical cream for nerve damage pain. It was kind of a double whammy. So, you know, I would walk around and tell everyone, I have a depressed vagina and this is why <laughs> and let's not get there, you I know, love that. for everyone else. Sorry, not that you had a depressed vagina, but I love my yeah, yeah, vagina. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like, and it was she's important good now because, though, right? Yeah, so is your vagina totally. in top notch now? Yeah, she's she's in good shape. <laughs> Third time around, actually the best, I will oh, say. Good, so okay. that surprised me. Yeah, yeah. Good to hear. So, you know, anything is possible, but it's just about kind of addressing it early on, really, and making sure people are aware of it. It's super common. This is like bread and butter for a pelvic floor physio. No, I really appreciate you sharing that because literally after you had mentioned it to us the other day, I said straight away to Kate, I was like, you know what, it's actually kind of uncomfortable for me to have sex after having this baby. And after the first time around, it was a little bit too, but I was like, whatever. Just push through, right? Yeah, push through. Maybe it's normal. And thank God someone did recommend for me to see a pelvic floor physio again at the time after my first baby, didn't even know it was a thing. It's not like the GP was suggesting to go and have that checked out. Yes, I was glad that I did that the first time around, but it sparked a conversation. It made me think, you know what, actually I need to go and get checked. Have you done anything about that yet? No, I haven't. (laughs) The most disorganized person in the world, but hey, I'm going to write big letters next to me here, make a note. A calendar reminder. No, but it should be a routine part of the checkup, you know, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of health professionals will say the same. It's crazy that it's not. So, you know, it would be an awesome world where it's just a routine part of your postpartum checkup. Just like the baby has to be checked, the mum should be checked. Yeah, it's yeah, just as important. Exactly. So you have just launched your first product. A prenatal vitamin. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Very. it's exciting. A labor of love. Another labour. I'm excited. What has the process sort of been like and what drove you to create this, given there are a lot of prenatal vitamins already out on the market? Yeah, so look, probably similarly to the way that we provide the content that we do, I felt like a lot of women were taking what they're told and weren't really mm-hmm. investing much in understanding what you were taking and why and how there could be something that was more beneficial for you. You know, a lot of friends were saying that the supplements they were taking from the chemist make them feel sick, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's gastrointestinal upsets, nausea, the thought of taking a prenatal just put them off entirely and there could be another way there is another way where you know use kind of high quality bioactive ingredients and just the right dose amounts inside each you know nutrient that you're including and also nutrients that work well together ingredients that work well together rather than the kitchen sink and the immediate effect can be just much more pleasant and less uncomfortable so I really wanted to delve into that space and also I've always had interest in nutrition and naturopathy and I kind of knew about high quality vitamins and where to find them which is usually through a practitioner it's it's hard to purchase them on your own and I really wanted to bring some of that knowledge into the mainstream and say there is high quality that you can have here's a bit of educational support around why we shouldn't invest in understanding what we're taking and also providing an option that's really accessible you don't have to go through a practitioner to access this you can buy it yourself but for me, ultimately, beyond, you know, buying the product, I just want people to make informed decisions and, yeah. and wherever they land, that will be what's best for them rather than just, yeah, as I said, taking what you're told. Jess, we've just been talking about productivity and children in this episode. 
And um, supposedly the more you have, the more productive <laughs> you become. <laughs> oh, no, I don't know. You, you look a bit taken aback <laughs> by that comment. How are you going with launching your business and now you have three little ones? Look, it's a lot. As we've discussed, there is a lot of kids. But, you know, also, as we were talking about before, it's been really nice to be in the right life stage, I think, to support this, not just the development, but like the understanding of, you know, the women who are taking it. I'm taking the prenatal vitamin that I've created postpartum. You know, we're still in a healing phase for a very long time. So it's important to be nutritionally replete and energized because it's kind of the biggest part of the job is really now in the postpartum world yeah and yeah look three kids is is a juggle it's a lot I've got some very good friends who are in the same position as me so we'll often just FaceTime each other and just be like staring down the barrel like (laughs) no words needed (laughs) no words needed but I think third time around I've gotten much better at asking for the kind of help that I need so I'm in a very well supported place so that I can pursue both worlds before we finish up Jess Looking back, what do you wish that someone told you about pre and also postnatal health prior to becoming a mother for the first time? I wish, I wish, I wish someone spoke more about the physicality of the whole experience Mm. and how not to make us afraid but to make us informed. I wish I knew from early on from our sex education in school even a little bit more about the whole reproductive health life cycle. I think, you know, we have a one-dimensional view, which is in school, don't get pregnant. And we don't even understand our own cycles as a result. So when it comes to that time when we're trying to fall pregnant, we basically have to educate ourselves. And I think that's doing a real disservice to our own health and our own autonomy. Mm. And I would love to have changed that from then and to understand what it looks like on the other side and to normalise that. And I think, um, yeah, that's really, that's part of the mission of the brand as well to just make sure that's what's happening um, alongside alongside product. So probably my big wish is to go way back when and start again at a school education, education. and yeah. be a little bit more holistic and honest and empowering. Hopefully our kids, by the time they're at an age when they're learning about this stuff, there's been a big change and that they become a lot more informed from a younger age because it would be amazing and Mm, it's important for males and females. I totally agree. I think it would be really awesome for, you know, I've got two boys. I would love them to be more aware of all of this as well. It's not a woman's problem. It's reproductive health affects both men and women and takes two to tango so you know it would be really awesome if it's if it was a bit more mainstream some of these conversations from early on so that they don't feel dirty and taboo and that we feel like we can make great health choices and our partners can support that as well just a small wish yeah (laughs) (laughs) well congratulations on mood and the launch of your first prenatal product thank you Um, so much give everyone a bit of a where they can find it, when it's actually launched, you yes. know, how they can find you. So um, <laughs> we will be really available on, from Thursday the 22nd of September. I have to double check what month we're in. Thursday <laughs> the 22nd of September you can buy online. So our um, website is We The Moody um, with an odd spelling, M-O-O-D-E, We The Moody. And the oh, same do you pronounce friends. it Moody? You know what? I want to be like real to anyone. It, yeah. it stems from this concept of being moody. moody. Like we we are moody, but like I let's totally said that. mood it's not, when I talk. But about everyone calls it mood, start. and I love that as well. I think okay. it is we're a bit of a mood, so it's totally cool. <laughs> I'm always um, a mood. <laughs> yeah, everyone's a bit of a mood, so it works. <laughs> and same on Instagram. I love that chat with Jess. So good, and um, she was a darling. We did accidentally lose the last few seconds when we were finishing up and saying goodbye to Jess. So we will be sure to put all of the links where you can buy her amazing new prenatal vitamin. Yep. And thanks so much, Jess. We loved connecting with you. Yeah, so nice. We'll see you soon, guys. Bye. That's it for today. Make sure you head to incommonprojects.com.au for the show notes. Hit subscribe on your podcast app and follow us on Instagram at Talking In Common. Or you can check out our Facebook page, which is also Talking In Common. Have a lovely day and as always, thanks for listening.